Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. We've been waiting for you. We pray this message inspires, encourages, and blesses you. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Hey, let's just give Jesus a shout of praise, hey? He's worthy. And uh, just close your eyes. We're going to start in prayer. I just feel God's heart towards this church this morning. He's so pleased with the spirit of love for one another, the heart for the community, because you're not seeking things, you're seeking God's heart. And when you get a transaction of God's heart to your heart, it's a heart transplant in the spirit. And it means everything's different. And I just want you to understand this morning, this is not normal. This is what, this is something special God is doing. And to guard it and to breathe it and to fight for it, to live for it. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. This is your church. We thank you for Pastor John and Amy. They're your leaders, your people. We thank you for what you've done in this short time this church has been alive. But Lord, we say this is your region. You love the Tweed Coast. You want to do something awesome. Even as we heard our First Nations brother say today from this range of this native land, Lord God, this is your land and you want to do something wonderful in your people. So we commit everything to you today. And we ask Holy Spirit that you would bless our words, that our heart attitude, that our actions would give glory to you in this community, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give God a hand. You can take your seats. I wasn't intending to be emotional this morning. If we could have some house lights on, I want to see all the wonderful faces. And so blessed by your worship today. Oh, my Lord. Excuse me. And uh, God is a good God, isn't he? And I I just, you're you're just blessed by Pastor John and Amy. They're wonderful people. And, And I remember when I moved to Brisbane in 2000, John was working for me. And uh, after nine months, we did a job review. And I said, John, what do you want to do? And if there was no limits in your life, what would, what would be your dream to do for God in 10 years' time? And without even, even taking a deep breath, he just said, I'm going to plant a church on the Tweed Coast. And so he's living it today, amen? He's got a heart for you and a heart for this community. And I remember the other thing about John, I was about three months in, he came into my office and said, Pastor Paul, I think I might have to resign. I said, what do you mean you have to resign? I was thinking, what's he done? He goes, I've lost my licence. So John, that's all right. I've lost it three times, mate. You're okay. And uh, it was punishment enough that Beth Carriage had to drive into all his visitations. He's 23-year-old with his mother out the front, okay. And, uh, but God's going to do something good, amen. And uh, I just want to, I want to just, uh, my title of my message today is Launching Out Into The Deep. And, um, you know, we've had an interesting three years in Australia with lockdowns and restrictions and mandates and all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, I believe that as Christians, we don't need to live by the spirit of this world, but we've got to break out of a lockdown mentality because fear, fear brings lockdown. Fear is restriction. Faith is expansion. And the Bible says that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And I want to encourage you, dream big. This is the time for the dreamers. This is the time for the believers. This is the time, you know, when I drive past that block of land, I thought, wow, this, is, we, this church has got belief. 
We're not going to restriction. We're going to expansion for the kingdom. And I believe that for your family. I believe that for your health, your finances. If you're a business person, believe that because it's upon Garden Church, but it's also upon you and your family because the spirit on this church is on you because you are this church. Amen. And it's great. Well, I want to encourage you today. So if you've got Bibles out, if you haven't got a Bible, just cheat off your neighbour and look at theirs. Or if you've got a device, you can look at that as well. But faith is the collateral of the supernatural. Faith is the currency of heaven. God doesn't respond to need. If God responded to need, He'd just live in the poorest nations of the earth, Bangladesh and the Sudan. God responds to faith. God responds to expectation. God responds to hunger. And faith is a journey that all of us are on together. You cannot take big steps of faith until you've taken small steps of faith. We heard Amy share that this morning, that she gave that little first offering, which helped them buy a house. And, you know, if they hadn't done that obedience back then, how could we take the step of faith to buy that block of land across the road? Small steps of faith precede bigger steps of faith. Do you remember the first time you really stepped out of faith and did something for God? Because like Pastor Amy said today, it's not about the amount, it's about the obedience. And God will never ask you to take a big step of faith until you've done a small step of faith. I remember when I was younger living in Adelaide and I first became a youth pastor and, and I was just believing that when I'd go and do youth, youth camps, I'd uh, have revival, you know. I want to see kids get encountered by God. Back then I had hair. Back then I had, a, I had a mullet the first time round. I know you can't believe it. And in the, in the 80s, if you had a real mullet, it was conservative on top and party at the back. And if you wanted to go to the next level, when I was in year 12, I had a perm and blonde streaks through it, okay. I can't believe that. It's true, but... um. Some of you think that's just old, okay. But do you remember the first time you put God first in something? I remember for me it was when I was about 12 years of age and I was turning 13 and, and we, we, we lived in the country and we'd drive into the outer suburbs of Melbourne for church every Sunday night. And I, I love football and then Victoria play a different branch called AFL. And, and so I loved that game and I was the captain of my local club and I'd play every Sunday morning football and then we'd pack up and we'd, we'd go to church on Sunday night until in the middle of the football season when I'm in, I think it was year eight, my parents came to me and said, Paul, West, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna help the pastor plant a new church in our area on the outskirts of Melbourne. And I said, that's fantastic. And it's going to be Sunday mornings. It's going to start in our house and then we're going to believe we're going to go to the community and get a property. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Well, you can't play football anymore more because we're going to be going to church. I said, can you say that again, please? Okay. Because as a 13-year-old, that was my whole identity, right? And, and I remember resting because I love God, but I also love football. I'm a kid. I'm thinking, God. And my dad said, Paul, you can do this. With, there's two choices you have. You can do it with a good attitude and God will bless you, or you can do it with a bad attitude, but you're still doing it. Okay. My dad was an old school kind of parent, you know. My dad would say, I brought you into this world. I can also take you out of this world. This old school parent. New school parenting is you go time out. Um, yeah, anyway, I won't go there. And, uh, and so, so, you know, I remember the, my, I, I, ref, I refused. So I remember riding my bicycle 11 kilometres of football training twice a week on my BMX because mum and dad wouldn't take I remember my, my, my coach coming to see my parents saying, you guys are a bunch of religious fanatics. Why don't you let them play football? And, and I mean, then I was embarrassed and teased at school. Well, you're going, you're going to go to church on Sunday to football. And I remember coming to this once. Every night I'd lie in bed. My dad would come and say, you know, God will bless you. If God ever, ever asks you to surrender something, he'll always give you something better. And I'm that's all right for you, dad. What am I going to do? Lawn bowls instead of football? chess, you know, and, uh, and I remember there was this big map, every night my dad would come and pray with me before I go to bed and there was this big map on the wall and he said, Matt, what would you love to do if there was no restrictions? I'd love to go and visit my cousins 
in Texas. They're living in Texas. That'd be awesome in America. And I remember about a week later, I finally at church one Sunday night, I surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, I'll put you first. If you want me not to play football and go to church on Sunday, I'll do that for you. And I remember I felt good about it, but then I got teased at school. And then about two weeks later, my, I had a phone call one night about 11 o'clock and it was my uncle living, ringing from America. He said, we all decided we can't afford to come home as a family to Australia for the summer break here. So we decided let's vote. We'll pay for one of our relatives to come and visit us. And all the kids took a vote and they voted that you, Paul, should come and visit us. And we'll pay all your, pay all, all your trip for three months. And I thought, who cares about football? I'm going to America. Okay. And, um, <laughs> but that was the first time that I really had to give up something and be obedient to God. You see, David was a faithful shepherd over a few sheep for his earthly father before he came shepherd over the nation for his heavenly father. David took on the lion and the bear before he took down Goliath. And faith is a journey. You cannot take big steps of faith until you've taken small steps of faith. The whole Christian walk requires us to continually take steps of faith. Maybe you remember the first time you came to church was a step of faith. Someone was a Christian in your family at work, but you come to my church. I'm not going to that church. They're crazy people. They clap their hands. They got a band and all kinds of crazy stuff. And by faith, you found yourself at church. And by faith, some volunteers played worship. And by faith, some preacher preached. And by faith, some preacher gave an altar call. And by faith, you found yourself putting up your hand. And by faith, you walked to the front. And by faith, you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart. And by faith, you were born again and got saved. It was by faith, a step of faith. And then the next week, pastor said, hey, have you been water baptised? And by faith, you found yourself standing in front of a church dressed like an angel and by faith you went down under the water and by faith you came up and you're like this is amazing and then one said that's awesome you're born again that's awesome you've been baptised in water but have you been baptised in the Spirit and speaking in tongues and by faith you prayed a prayer and by faith you received that gift and by faith you gave do you remember the first time you know you gave in a tithes and offerings you opened up your wallet moths came out you put that five dollar note in the offering and the Queen had tears in her eyes you dropped her into the bucket But by faith, you took a step of faith. The Christian walk is always taking steps of faith. Can I have an amen? Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he comes to him must believe that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. God will continually come to us as a church here at Garden and say, take a step of faith. God will continually come to you as a family every year and say, take a step of faith. That never ends till we go home to glory. God wants all of us to be people of faith. So when Pastor John and Amy come out and share vision to you, guess what? It's not going to be something we can achieve in our own strength. It's going to require a step of faith. Great faith and miracles come from seemingly insignificant opportunities. Great faith and miracles come from steps of obedience. Great faith and miracles come from inconvenient openings in our daily lives. Romans 12.3 says, For I say, through grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt each one of us a measure of faith. God has given all of us a measure of faith. But you say, Paul, my faith's not that big. Some people got small faith. Some people got big faith. The Apostle Paul tells us here in Romans that it's God that gives you a measure of faith. But we don't need to ask for more faith. We need to learn how to exercise the measure that God's given us. Because the Bible says even as faith as small as a mustard seed is incredibly powerful. Luke 17, 5 and 6, the Apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted by the sea and it will obey you. So I wanna encourage you, you say, I haven't got much faith, that's enough. 
Just a little mustard seed faith can move mountains and move trees. Can I have an amen? So stop asking God for more faith. Let's ask God for boldness and courage to exercise the measure of faith that He's given us. That each day we'll take steps of faith. What is a step of faith? A step of faith is moving from the comfort zone into the miracle zone, into the grace zone. It's launching out from comfortability into the faith zone of your life. I want to read a a long passage of Scripture with you this morning because I believe, I I don't want to just take one verse. I want you to hear the whole story of Jesus. So Luke chapter 5 verse 1 says this, So it was that a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of the Lord. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. While he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. That's a word for someone this morning. There's a business opportunity. You think you're stretching yourself to buy your first home? Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Sounded like Kath and Kim from over there. <laughs> Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So when it began to sink, Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, O Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus Simon said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they brought their boats to land. They forsook all and they followed him. It's amazing because in the Scripture, at first the disciples were trying to do something in their own strength and human effort. They weren't, they weren't fishermen like me, amateur fishermen. They've got no idea that stand on the pier all night catch nothing. These were... Their grandparents were fishermen. Their great-grandparents. These were generational fishermen. They knew everything about that lake, every season. They knew where the fish were. These were professional fishermen. And they had toiled all night in their own strength and they had caught nothing. And then a carpenter comes and tells them how to fish. But it's amazing because, you know, firstly, they just do a little step of obedience. Jesus said, can I use your boat as a pulpit? The crowd's too big. And they go, okay, it's empty, well, we'll use it. See, God's not after perfect people. He's not after full vessels, He's after empty vessels that He can fill with His glory. He said, I haven't got much to give the church. I haven't got much to give God. That's the perfect person. Because empty vessels God loves to fill. And, and the boat, the small step of obedience becomes a pulpit and then God blesses the people. And then He says, now when the sermon was over, push out to the deep. You see, you can be in the shallows in control of your life and guess what? It's not the deep. You can be on the banks of that river well, we know that river went over the banks, but you can be on the banks of that river or you can be into your ankles or you can be into your knees or it can be into your waist, but God wants you to be abandoned in a place of obedience unto Him. That's out of the comfort zone. But he said, push out, not into the shallows, push out the boat into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So I want to just give you four quick things this morning about launching out to the deep from going to the faith zone to the grace zone, out of the comfort zone. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, if you want to launch out to the deep, you need to realise that you have access, access. You have an unfair advantage over the world. You are a born again believer. 
You are a spirit-filled Christian. You have an advantage over everyone else on the Tweed Coast. You have got God on your side, not God up there in the nebulous, Emmanuel, God with us. You've got all of heaven's resources at your disposal. You can access God in the faith zone 24-7. His wisdom, His creativity, His strength, His grace, His forgiveness. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help and time of need. Some Christians can be a Christian a long time and think there's different levels of Christianity. Well, that's right for you, Pastor Paul. That's right for you, Pastor Jono. You guys have got a special level of faith. You've got special access to God. The Bible doesn't say that. It's the same God for all of us. Now, the world loves to do that. Oh, I, I, I've just started flying again. It's, I'm flying around the nation. Or we, uh, I'm going to America next month. And, and I, I'm, I love going on, on Qantas. I'm a Qantas flyer, right? And because I've been flying such a long time, I've got status. Oh, this is my platinum card. Now, Joe, she doesn't fly as much as me. She is a bronze dweller. And when we fly together, I, we sit down together and I just get treated so well. They come in and say, Pastor, uh, Mr. Geeling, would you, you're a platinum member. Would you like a special drink? And Joe's sitting there and so what about me? I'm Mrs. Geeling. I'm more important than him. But she's just bronze. She has certain levels of access, but I have high levels of access. I have a special number that's platinum service. I get served in 15 minutes. If Joe rings Qantas, three hours later, she's still on the line waiting because she's just a bronze member. I have specialised access. God's nothing like that. God doesn't have gold class Christians and bronze class. God's God, we're His people and the same blood was shed on the cross for all of us. Every tribe, every nation, every culture. You have access today. There's no limit to your access to God. All His power, all His provision, all His healing, all His salvation is for you and I. I want to encourage you today. Sometimes we've got to believe God that He has amazing things for us. And I want you to lift your expectation today. The miracles aren't just for certain people in the body of Christ. God loves you. God knows your past. God knows your present. God knows the potential of your future. So I want to encourage you. You need to realise you've, you've, got, you've got platinum, platinum diamond level, whatever it is you need, into the heavenly realms. When that veil was torn and Jesus rose from the, and died upon the cross, everyone has access unto God at the same level. But whether you exercise or not, it's up to you. You've got great resources, but will you exercise? It's, it was said of a Mother Teresa years ago that she was given this peace on award at the Nobel Peace Prize for being one of the great peacemakers for all the works that she did. And she got some paperwork, but she never read it. And she had it framed on the wall until one day one person walked in and said, you know what that is? She goes, no, what is it? It's a cheque for a million dollars. She was a millionaire. She'd always lived with no, she didn't realise she was a millionaire. She had access to it, but she had it on the wall, like on the pin board of all the things she'd got that year. On the kids' photos and the calendars, all that kind of stuff on your fridge. She had a million dollars, but until she deposited, she wasn't a millionaire. You've got access to all of heaven's resource. And I want to encourage you here on the Tweed Coast, we're not anyone's second cousin. God is a God of God who wants to reach this coast, this district. So He's got access for you and for this church. Can I have an amen? Oh, many, many, I mean, I've seen God do it many, many. I remember one time when Brisbane was struggling for a venue. Um, we, we'd, uh, we'd 
we'd uh, been kicked off the University of Queensland and we got kicked off Queensland University of Technology and we were praying for a venue and the time was running out. And, and I remember going to see a pastor, I said, oh, can we uh, borrow your church? And he, on a Sunday night, I said, no, sorry, we've got a service. And then another year went past and we were struggling to find a home for our church. Um, I think we've been up to about 20 different ch- church homes in the last 15 years in our church. And then, and then, and then I, one day he gives me a call, says, I want you to come and see us. And, and he goes, oh, I don't want to release the church to you. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, we've been praying we've decided we want to give you our church God's got incredible access he can do things beyond your capability and what just because what says in the natural doesn't mean what God can do in the super on top of your natural second thing about this you want to launch into the deep first thing you need to have realize you've got access secondly you want to launch into the deep you need to take action God doesn't want to just do all the work for you he doesn't want you to just lay on the couch watching the rugby league and he does all the miracles. He wants us to partner with him. He wants us to be part of the process. Verse 5 says, But Simon answered, said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter took God's word and took action on it and saw a miracle. And you notice that the miracle. The miracle happened when he pulled it up. It was amazing, but it was at God's word. Peter never took action but from the word of Jesus. And you think about it, I've I've done this before. I've done this a million times. What's this carpenter telling me to throw the nets out again? We fished all night, call nothing. But at your word, I will let down the net. Sometimes we think we're waiting for God to do everything. But God wants us to do something. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Sometimes you just got to make a decision, take some action. Want to start a business? Read a book. Go to a seminar. Have a coffee with a guy in business. Volunteer at a business. You want a job? Intern. Save, study. Sometimes do something. I think God says, I want to do bring revival, but I need someone to do something. I love what you did last week, serving your community. You're doing something. People are going to know about this church because you did something. I'm called to missions. I'm studying for it but I can't serve anywhere in the church right now because I'm, I'm, I'm setting myself for the mission field. And meanwhile, there's so much things you can be doing in this mission field. Move out of your comfort zone. Some people are so future full of vision, they're paralysed for the present. Move out of your comfort zone, do something now. You know, in this church, you can run a small group. You can serve in kids' church. You can volunteer on the music team. You can give finances. You can pray. There's people up praying there today. You can give out tea and coffee. Everyone loves international roast on a Sunday. <laughs> Do something. You see, our world is made for comfort, not action. Yeah. I'm so glad I said yes to God every time, yeah. to serve in kids' church when I was a teenager, to go on that short-term missions trip in year 12 when I had no money. To, I'm so glad I said yes to being a youth leader because that's how I met Joe. <laughs> Praise God for that. Some of you have stop, got to stop saying no to God and start saying yes. Launch out from the comfort zone to the faith zone. I remember when we first planted our church and we were at UQ, uh, University of Queensland, St Lucia, and we had a great band, but we had no keyboard player. And Joe had played keyboard in church for 22 years. He said, one thing I have, Paul, if I'm running this church, we're planting a church, I'm not playing keyboard for it. I said, okay, huh, no worries. And, uh, and so we had, this, we had no keyboard player. And I remember after a year, I said, Lord, I love a keyboard player. I want to have keyboard player for worship, the older calls. And, and, um, and I was having, who's ever had a whinge to God about something you haven't got? I'm whinging to God. And have you, ever, have you ever had an argument with God? God said, do something about it. I said, you do something about it. God says, do something about it. You, I'm having an argument. You could give us a keyboard player. And, and God says, you do something about it. So I, I drove home for my prayer time. I think, what am I going to do? So I went down to the music shop 
I said, give me your best keyboard. And I bought this keyboard for five grand. I didn't know what it was, didn't know how to plug it in. And I brought it to church next week, said to the sound guys, plug it in. They're like, Pastor Paul, we've got no keyboard player. Plug it in. It's going to take another 15 minutes. Plug it in. So for four weeks in a row, that keyboard sat vacant at church. Everyone's looking at the keyboard, people worshipping. Until after the fourth week, a guy comes, hey, Pastor Paul, I thought you were just a grungy kind of church because you don't have a keyboard. But I know you've got a keyboard up there. He said, would you like a keyboard player? He goes, I'm at the Conservatory of Music at Griffith and would that be okay if I play keyboard? Three in one week. Just got to do something. Don't wallow and complain. Do something. You know, we uh, had a court case where we were trying to get our zoning and for our church in the western suburbs of Brisbane and uh, that we had a fight with the Brisbane City Council. God bless them. $600,000 later. And once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> and people have been given to this property for 20 years. We've got to finish it. Fighting the council and they're telling us all these kind of things. We've got no concept of the church. And, and it looked like we were going to lose the court case after 18 months. And uh, I just thought, we've got to do something. I've, done, I've paid the lawyers. So that, that didn't do much. And so we, we, we called the church to a 14-day fast. We've got to pray for a breakthrough. And then we went back after 14 days and I rocked up and it was a different judge. The other judge, he goes, oh, the other judge just retired. And he said, oh, I can't believe why this case has gone on for 18 months. We've wasted all the council's money and the church's good money. So this is bad. He said, we're not leaving this meeting today until we've got a result. And he said, I don't want any whinging and complaining because I'm a Star Wars fan. And I went to the midnight session last night and I'm tired and cranky. So we'll solve it right now. We solved it in 30 minutes. Thank God for, for Yoda and the Star Wars judge. But we had to do something. Stop wallowing, complaining. Being a victim doesn't help anybody. You want to have a better marriage? Do something. You want to have better kids? Do something. Want to have a better life? Do something. Want to have a better budget? Do something. Want to be a better pastor? Love him a little bit more. Stop saying no to God and start saying yes. John F. Kennedy is a president. He said this, don't ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I think God sometimes says that about us. I can, I, can, I can answer your prayers easy. You're praying the wrong prayers. I think God's saying, don't ask me what you, I can do for you, but why don't you ask me what you can do for me? What would have happened? I think we say no to God too many times. What would have happened if Noah said, I'm not going to build that boat? What would have happened if Abram said, I'm not leaving my country, I like it here? What about if, if Joshua said, I'm not going to serve Potiphar, I'm not going to interpret dreams, I'm not going to forgive my brothers? What would happen if Moses said to the Israelites, well, they're not my responsibility. I'm not going back to Egypt. Or Joshua said, I don't cross flooded rivers. Or Esther said, I'm not going to go in that beauty competition. Or Nehemiah said, I'm not going back to my hometown. I don't rebuild broken walls and cities. Or David said, I don't like sheep and I don't fight giants. Or the Apostle Paul said, I only speak. I don't want to write any letters. Or what would have happened if they had said no? Praise God, they said Yes. My question to you today is what are you saying no to in God? We can't afford to buy that land. We can't afford to build. We fished all night. We can't afford nothing. No, come on, let's step out in faith. Stop saying no to God. Let's start saying yes. Don't ask God what He can do for you, but why don't you ask God what you can do for Him? The third thing about stepping out, launching out the deep is this, is we need to articulate what God has said. Verse 5 says, And Simon answered, said, Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing, but at your word, I will let down your net. What words of God do you need to articulate? 
What words of God do you need to confess? What words of God do you need to speak? You see, our words shape our future. What unfulfilled words do you have over your life? What unfulfilled prophetic utterances God's given you that have yet to be fulfilled over your family? What unfulfilled destiny is there for this church in this community? But God, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. It's been hard. Yes, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the nets. You see, it takes faith to articulate not what you see, but what you believe God's going to do. You can think it, but there's something different when you speak it. Sometimes all you have is a word from God. Sometimes we want a new word from God. But maybe God's not going to give us a new word until we've been obedient to the old word that He gave us. You know what? We've had, when, uh, when, when we were trying for children, we'd been married four years and we got pregnant, and, or, or Joe got pregnant, and, um, and we were in the pregnancy. And you know what? One of the most exciting things is finding names. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. So I bought a names book for the news age, a girl's book and a boy's book. And we're talking all these names. And about three months into the pregnancy, Joe said, put it away. I know God told me we're having boys. I said, well, you don't know that. She goes, God gave me a word. When I was a teenager, I'm going to have a house full of boys. I said, that, it's a 50-50 chance. You don't know that. She said, put that girl's book away. Let's look at the boy's book. And I'm thinking, how come God speaks to you and doesn't speak to me? Then about seven months ago, I said, let's get the book out again. I said, I just, just tease. Let's call these crazy names like Geronimo and, and all this kind of stuff. And she goes, she goes no, it's, God's given me the name. It's going to be Joshua David. I'm like, what? How can he speak to you? He hasn't spoken to me. Joshua, because he's going to be bold and courageous and lead people in the promised land. And David, because he's going to be half to God, he's going to be a worshipper. And I'm like, well, that's all right. We'll see when the baby gets born. Well, 50-50, it was a boy. So I said, okay, that's okay. We got a boy. We called him Joshua David. And then about three or four years later, we're pregnant again. I get the names book out again. She goes, no, no, God's given me a word. Put those books away. We're going to have boys. I said, no, you don't know that. It was just a fluke last time you knew it was a boy. This time it could be a girl. She put it away. And then about six months, she goes, I said, let's talk about the names again. She goes, no, I don't need to talk to you. I've already got the names. I'm like, what? How come God keeps speaking to you? doesn't speak to me. This one's going to be called Samuel Paul. Samuel, from a young age, is going to hear the voice of God. He's going to be prophet to nations. Paul, after he's dead. No, not after you, stupid. After the apostle Paul. He's going to travel. He's going to write. He's going to minister for the Word. And sure enough, we had a boy and his name is Samuel Paul. But you know what? We took that word. And when the little kids in their room, every night I'd go in there. Sam was always naughty. He's awake. Be quiet closely. But we would speak that word out. You're going to be a man of God, Samuel. You're going to hear the voice of God as a child. You're going to speak to nations. You're going to be powerful. You're going to travel like your dad and you're going to do mighty things and speak the Word of God. And then over Joshua, you're going to be bold and courageous. You're going to lead the people of God. You're going to be a heart after God, a man of David, a worship. You see, there's words that you've got. Come on, sharpen them. Speak them out over your family. What do you need to articulate in faith over your life, over your family, over this church? And lastly is this. When you launch out into the deep, God brings acceleration and multiplication. Verse 6 says, And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats and they both began to sink. You know, when God does miracles, there's quite often problems. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. You see, I believe God can, God loves to accelerate things that are already moving. Who's ever tried to push a stationary car or turn a stationary car? It's a lot easier if it's already moving to push it and turn it. And I want to encourage you today. I believe God, we're giving God something to work with in this church. In the worship this morning when I was just there, and I just felt that the heart of God was so pleased with the heart of this church. And I'm telling you, God's going to accelerate things. I feel this in the spirit. 
Now, the devil's tried to give his best to bring destruction to this church and to come against Pastor Jono. But guess what? We've overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And, and the season ahead is going to be acceleration and multiplication. He's tested our hearts and we've come out good for the Lord. Amen. Can the musicians please come? You know, um, back in 2011, we had a church in the suburb of New Farm, if you know where that is in Brisbane. And, um, and uh, on the Sunday, the water it was a three-storey building. It was pouring down the walls because we had about 36 inches of rain in two days. And by the Monday, there was a metre of water through the church. And it was tough. And straight away, we, it was the first time we ever had our own building. We sort of had no, no home for our church. And uh, we put an insurance claim in for $1.2 million. And, um, and uh, the insurance company back said, oh, we can give you 250000 And I remember sitting with our board going, we, we'll go bankrupt if they give us 250000 So we had to fight them for 18 months. And we had no home for a church. We became spiritual refugees in our own city. The cheapest venue the first month I got fined was $25,000 for the day in the middle of Brisbane. And we were struggling. I remember there was nights where I couldn't sleep. I'd be up thinking I have to, I'm going to have to sack all the staff and we're going to have to do all these things. And it was really hard. And I thought I was being a good pastor after the January floods. I wrote a letter to our church membership at Easter. I said, guys, this is what I really feel. I want to be honest with you as a senior pastor. We haven't been able to make our insurance claim. It could come in six weeks. Could come. In, we don't know. But there's three options. We're either going to refurbish our church, we're going to knock it down and build a new one, or we'll sell the land and maybe go to a bigger site. Well, I thought I was being a good pastor. I reckon we, half our congregation left over that letter. They came and said, Pastor Paul and Joe, we love you guys. You're awesome. We love the vision, but we just don't want to be part of a set-down, pack-up church. After about the 80th coffee with people, I wanted to stab myself and I with a plastic fork. I'm not having coffee with anyone in the church <laughs> telling me they're going somewhere else. It was, it was a real low point. And I remember I was full of stress. I was struggling. I wasn't sleeping. I was just really discouraged. And then we began to pray. And I remember one of the ushers. His, his name's Richard Vanderhoek. How's that for a good Dutch name? He's just one of the ushers of church. He goes, Pastor Paul, I had a dream about you. What do you mean? He goes, well, I know it's God because I had it three nights in a row. <laughs> and he says, you were on this boat going to the Brisbane River and all the people jumping off the boat. And you were trying to bring them back on board and they were slapping and biting at your hand. And God says, don't worry about that. Get back up steering the boat. And oh, I did something to my spirit. And the next week, we went to New Zealand to this conference and God just really spoke to us. And he, he pulled us out of a dark place, lifted our feet back on the rock. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you want to you get a breakthrough? I said, yes, Lord. He said, well, I've got a key for it. So what is that, Lord? He goes, tithe what you want to see your insurance claim I'm like oh okay so I came back to our board meeting and said guys I said what's the the smallest amount of money we need if we don't go broke they said we need at least a million dollars I said would we all be happy if the insurance company gave us a million dollars they said yes I said well I think God's spoken to me a strategy of how to get a million dollars from the insurance company they said awesome they said we're going to tithe on a million dollars and the board's like okay the bank account had $115,000 in it. So we gave a check to all the people that blessed us as a church, like this little church called Gateway Church. Every year for three years, they gave us their venue for free. They sent all these checks.
different organisations. And when we sent the last cheque of $10,000, 10 cheques of $10,000. Is that right? 100, yeah, that's right. We got a call from the insurance company. said, oh, we've changed your insurance assessor. He goes, I'm an Anglican. I'm on the Gold Coast. He says, I can't understand why this has gone on for so long. Would you come down today and sign? I reckon we could claim. We, why don't we just settle this at a million dollars? We drove down that day. Where God speaks to you. Lord, chapter 13. We're having a miracle offering here, a legacy offering. It's not about the amount, it's about the obedience. If God says you to give $50, give $50. God says to give $50,000, give because the miracle's in the obedience, not in the amount. And I want to encourage you, our God is so great. Let's keep launching out into the deep. Let's not live in the comfort zone. And I know if Pastor John and Amy are pastors, you're never going to be comfortable. He's going to keep pushing you. That's why you want to be part of this church. My old senior pastor, Mrs. Evans, said, God is only limited by a man's faith and prayer. Smith Wigglesworth said, anyone can be ordinary, but it takes faith to be extraordinary. I heard a leader once say, optimism ignores the facts. Hope challenges the facts, but faith transcends and supersedes the facts. The facts are you have sickness, but faith says by his stripes I am healed. The facts are you've got a bad bank account and you lost your job. But faith says he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The facts are you're facing a challenging, impossible situation. But faith says nothing is impossible to our God. All things are possible to those who believe. The facts are some of your loved ones, your kids, your grandkids are away from the Lord. They're backslidden. But faith says this, come on, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The facts are you're facing a mountain and a giant. But faith says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The facts are we're living in a world dominated by fear. But faith says God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love and a sound mind. The facts are you may be lonely, maybe you lost your spouse, but God says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. The facts are you may feel guilt and shame, but faith says this, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Facts are real, but faith supersedes the facts of life. And it's time for us to launch out into the deep. Why don't you stand your feet all over this place? We all need to take a step of faith. Sorry for... My emotionalism today. Just close your eyes for a moment. The Lord loves you this morning. The Lord calls you by name. He doesn't just love you, He likes you. He likes you. He created you. And God's not after perfect Christians, He's just after available ones. God, I haven't got much to give. Well, you're the right person because He wants to fill empty vessels. And I want to encourage you. I feel the Holy Spirit wants to instill faith and courage within you to be bold, to step out on a word of the Lord. But God, I fished all night. I've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at Your Word, I will let down the net. If that's you this morning, you say, you know, I just feel I've got to step out in obedience in something. I don't know. Maybe it's to write an email of forgiveness to your brother or maybe it's to do something better for your wife and Maybe it's to do something in your family budget or to 
step out in the business, you always believe. I don't know what it is, but I feel the Lord saying, let down your nets. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand. Just say, God's speaking to me to take a step of faith. Just lift your hands to Him right now. Lord, encourage your people today. Strengthen them today with faith in their spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I pray today, Lord, you would ignite faith within us. And Lord, I pray for our church here at Garden. We thank you for your provision of that property. But by faith, we're going to believe that it's not just going to be an empty block of land, but there's going to be a building there that gives glory to you, that becomes a home for the broken and the lonely, becomes a house of restoration and healing, that's a lighthouse in this community to bring love and salt and life, Lord God, that builds strength and blessing to this community, we pray in the mighty Name of Jesus. I pray as a church family, as individuals, that we would continue to take steps of faith as You require, oh God. We ask this in the mighty Name of Jesus. Come on, why don't You worship Him for a moment? Why don't You lift up His Name? He's a good and glorious God. Garden is a life-giving church with a passionate commitment to help people grow in a loving relationship with Jesus, to gather in a faith-filled community, and to go and make a difference in our world. Find out more at gardenchurch.com. That's G-A-R-D-N church.com. Or on Instagram and Facebook at Garden Church. That's G-A-R-D-N church.